You're listening to Resonance 104.4 FM. My name's Jack Thurston, and this is The Bike Show. The falling leaves drift by the window The autumn leaves of red and gold I see your lips, the summer kisses The sunburned hands I used to hold Since you went away, the days roll long And soon I'll hear old winter's song But I miss you most of all, my darling When autumn leaves start to fall Well, it was the ride of the falling leaves on Sunday, yesterday, I rode. And I have to say, it was more the ride of the rising mercury than the falling leaves. It was a scorcher, I have to say, up to, well, 30 degrees, probably more in the sunshine, certainly more when you're uh, pounding your way around a 110-kilometre ride over the Kentish hills. The days grow long And soon I'll hear This is The Bike Show on Resonance FM. My name's Jack Thurston and I'm here with Jen. Hi there, Jack. How are you? Nice to see you again. <laughs> All right. You didn't make it on the Ride of the Falling Leaves. I didn't make it, but I did make it into a swim in the ocean, which is exactly what I needed oh, after the heat of this weekend. You rode to the coast, did you? Or I have to confess we drove. <laughs> But we did go for a ride when we were down there. <laughs> <laughs> right, your your bike show credentials are taking a little yeah, bit of a battering there. They're taking a massive there. dip, aren't they? <laughs> but I know that you're going to redeem yourself later in the show because I know what you've got for a bit later I in the show. I hope very much that I do redeem myself with the listeners and you. I just want to draw attention to the fact that the Ride of the Falling Leaves, which is a ride that's been going for some years now, maybe 10 years ago, I think there were 70 people taking part. And this time there were... I think 598 registrations. Wow, that's a lot of very hot people. <laughs> so, that, I mean, that just shows you that people are wanting to ride their bikes relatively long distances, mm. 70 mm. kilometres and 110 kilometres more each year. It's amazing. It's such a lovely ride, that one, because even though it's a sort of sportive and you have to pay your money and you get your 
transponder chip. It's definitely got a community feeling. It's organised by Dulwich Paragon and Mosquito Bike, so it feels like it's sort of homemade in a sense. Sure. And it starts at the Herne Hill Velodrome, which has just been resurfaced. So we got a lap of the Velodrome, oh, which is a customary thing. And that's a lovely, fresh new surface. And then just everything about it, the way the feed stop is organised and, you know, the, the finish, which happens at the Dulwich Cricket Club, where everybody gets a pint and a plate of hot food included in their that's entry. definitely worth your entry fee. Though. Yeah, it's just, it's just a lovely feeling. But the thing is, I can't seem to better my time. Oh, I, right. what, I always get four hours, 15 minutes, whatever bike I'm riding, whatever the weather. It was pouring with rain last year and again, like four hours, 15 minutes. And this, this time it was beautiful sunshine, four hours, 15 minutes. Were you riding the same bike as last same year? Same bike. And then the year before last, I was riding a different bike. I was riding a Moulton and four hours, 15 minutes. And the previous year, I don't know what else I was riding there. But again, about four hours, 20 minutes, something like that. What can Strange. I do to get that gold that gold time of four hours? That's right. We're going to have to get you a little motorised bike for next I, year or something. Hey, hey, come on. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to just have to latch myself onto a faster group. Yeah, were and you riding with friends? I was riding pretty much on my own, actually. Uh-huh. I was right. There were a couple of people I knew who were doing it, but I seemed to sort of lose them. Sure. Um, as you do off, halfway around. And I didn't want to do that thing of mobile phoning. Where are you? Where uh, are course. you? So you just sort of carried on. But it was really weird cycling along in this hot weather with chestnuts sort of falling on your bike helmet and that kind of thing but anyway that's a good one um for next year you have made me regret somewhat that i didn't do it but (laughs) i'll definitely be there watching you better your time next year i assure you well maybe you you can be my uh poisson pilot sure (laughs) on that fast carbon bike that you've got parked outside the resonance studios and another ride that jen didn't make it on (laughs) i'm not going to wrap this one in i promise i will be at the next ride (laughs) no another ride that jen didn't make it on which was the was the listeners and friends of the bike show ride which was a couple of weeks ago it just really started as an idea of mine that people who'd gone and bought the jersey, the bike show jersey that we made over the summer, and I think that we sold about 50 um, all around the world. I think some went to the United States and France and Hong Kong and Singapore. But anyone who was based in the London area, it'd be nice just to meet up and get a little peloton together and, and ride out. You didn't have to have a jersey to come on it, and most of the people who came didn't. But we started with a little tour of the resonance well we finished sorry we finished with a tour of the resonance studios and just did a little urban loop taking in the Woolwich Ferry and the view the unanimous view of everyone who took part in that is that they wanted to do it again so I think there will be a series of bike show friends of listeners rides coming up over the next year probably one every two months or something like that that's a good good number so i am looking for people who want to lead a ride or want to suggest a route it's all very well me you know saying oh this is where we should should go this is a route that i like to do and showing people the way but i'd like ideas for rides that will be of interest and will be enjoyable for other listeners to the bike show so if you've got a ride that's preferably i think in the london and the southeast area right now because that's where the bulk of the listeners are, that's where I am, that's where the radio station is, that's where Jen is. So if you've got an idea for a ride, then let us know. You can always send emails to bikeshow at resonancefm.com. And one last thing on that ride, as a kind of, uh, as, well, I don't know, as a punishment, I, 
<laughs> to everyone who took part, I forced them to um, record collaboratively a new jingle for the bike show. <laughs> and um, we could just hear that. Let's just hear that now. You're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. So there we go. Don't we have some snazzy-sounding listeners? <laughs> listeners to The Bike Show <laughs> chopped up into a jingle. The Bicycle Film Festival, it's, it's just days away. It is just days away. In fact, it is three days away, I believe, starting this weekend. Um, we discussed it last week. There is a plethora of wonderful films all about cycling and bikes down at the Barbican. Um, I think the first screenings are this Friday afternoon or early this Friday evening. So do get along. Um, I had the good fortune of catching up with one of the filmmakers this weekend, Tim Jacques, who has made a wonderful little film called Peace and Lovely Tailoring. And uh, when I caught up with him, I had the chance to ask him exactly what it was about. It's about bikes, so it's about the cycle. You'll see wheels spinning around. Um, it's about getting from A to B. You know, we start in the morning and we go up into town. We see the tweed run getting ready to go we follow it at various stages around the route and then we we see it at the end and we've sort of interspersed it with footage about health about bikes about rastafari so the name of the film is peace and lovely tailoring i suppose it's a bit of a pun peace and love that's something that rastas believe in and of course the pun is lovely tailoring and that's what the tweed runs about so we put it all together and it kind of sums up what the film's about. Tell us exactly what the Tweed Run is. It's a bicycle ride that happens, I think, about once a year, although I think they're just about to do one in New York. Um, it used to be really clandestine, now it's sort of ticket only, and it's this idea where you dress up in sort of retro clothes, tweed, people, you know, get their moustaches out and that sort of stuff, and it's kind of a, a hark back to... I suppose a glory days of cycling, English traditions, and and at the at the same time, it, it's it's you know it, it's um it's I, I would say taking the piss, but it's kind of tongue in cheek, you know. Uh, I I hope the idea is not to take yourself too seriously. You know, it's an unlikely mix: Rasta, health, cycling, and tweed. But it just seemed right on the day. Um, to sort of put that all together and somehow try and make a film um, you know the, the sort of tweed run idea started off you know just turn up in a certain square three or four years ago and it was very sort of clandestine and now it's become a kind of cottage industry so you know respect to Ted and Jackie for doing that um, and also what I suppose what we've done we've made a film that would be different to how the Tweed Run would make it, you know, because it's got a dub soundtrack. You've got this, well, you've got me chatting there on the on the microphone as you kind of as your presenter, doled up in Tweed. It's a London film. It's trying to show off the sights, and it's just trying to give a story of a particular day in April in 2010. You're a Rastafarian man, Tim. Perhaps you would tell us how Rastafari came into your life. It wasn't like a sort of Paul type clap of thunder from above it was just a gentle nice thing i used to read the bible used to hang around with certain people was reasoning and it just seemed to make sense so all this happened about 20 years ago 1992 
and I've not looked back really. I know religion has a, lo- a bad name for itself, and there are plenty of reasons why that's the case. And Rasta has a negative image because of because of marijuana and crime and that sort of thing. But you know, we're nice people, really. We help someone across the road, and it's it's not all bad news. Would you tell us what Rastafarianism is? It's to do, really, with the worship of His Imperial Majesty Haile Selassie. The word Rastafari was the pre-coronation name given to His Majesty. Ras means head, and Tafari means creator. So we see him as like the head creator. Perhaps you would tell us, Tim, a little bit about whether cycling factors much into Rastafarianism. Well, you've probably seen the, the lack of uh, Rastas at the start line on, on the Tour de France, but that doesn't mean to say that, you know, we're not into cycling. If you think about the bike, you know, it's freedom. It keeps you healthy. You don't have to go on Babylonian transport. You know, you don't have to spend money. It, it saves you time. It just makes sense. So, you know, that's why you'll see quite a lot of Rastas on bikes. As a raster, I could be on my soapbox chatting about the system and telling you how terrible things are. But people want a good news story. So if you, if you see a man who's clean, healthy, coming down the road, you know, looks all right, then that's as good a message as you can send. So that's the sort of message I want to send. A good, you know, good vibes, good health and doing that through cycling. I bet you're looking forward to the screening. I can't wait. You know, I'm very flattered, quite humbled, a little bit terrified. But we're going to go up on the day, going to bring my wife with me, um, a few friends, brethren, and, you know, we'll just have a day out in town. I'll try and keep the ego in check if that's possible. And, you know, we're just looking forward to a really nice day and we thank all the people who've given us the chance to do this. Jen, consider yourself 110% redeemed. You've managed to touch in your first report for The Bike Show, The Bike Show's sweet spots that have been developed over the last seven years that the show's been on air. London Cycling, Tweed, 
and dub reggae. Wonderful. I am to please. Thank you. I'm so glad I've managed to redeem myself. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about Tim. Sounds like a really interesting character. Really, really interesting man. Really lovely man. He he did confess to me that he he wouldn't doesn't consider himself a filmmaker and he actually managed to make this beautiful little film on the massive budget of £11.63 and five of those pounds included a cab trip during the ride so that his cameraman could go ahead a little bit and catch some footage of him cycling. So, Well, that just shows that the Bicycle Film Festival is open to all, um, regardless of uh, the access that you've got to Swish production uh, facilities. Absolutely. And his film is going to be screened on Saturday on the, at the matinee showing, along with... I think three other short films and the feature Sun Chasers. Sun Chasers, which we did discuss last week. Um, Well, we've got some tickets, got another pair of tickets to give away to this screening where you can see... Peace peace, and lovely tailoring. Peace and lovely tailoring. A Rasta take on the tweed run. Indeed. Let's let's have a question for the quiz. Sure. Well, I think... Uh, the question that we will have answered by someone, please, is how many cities will this year's 2011 Bicycle Film Festival, Festival be travelling to? There's London and several others. So the first person to email us at bikeshow at resonancefm.com will be the lucky winner of two tickets to this Saturday's viewing. I think it's 2pm down at the Barbican. So the question is how many bicycle film festival cities are there in 2011 answers to bike show at resonancefm.com and get on down to that screening or all the other screenings particularly the urban bike shorts on the saturday which are i think the usual highlight of uh, the bicycle film festival last time i looked which was a couple of hours ago there are still some tickets although you'll probably be in the side aisles because it looked like the main block was pretty much sold out We've got another guest in the studio, Patrick Morgan. You're over from New Zealand. Um, You're from the Cycling Advocates Network in New Zealand, and you're here on a fact-finding visit, which includes a stop at Resonance FM to pop into the bike show. Welcome. Thank you, Jack. It's a bit of a dream trip for me, and you can't really come to London and check out the bikes without checking out the bike show. So thanks for having me along. You're very kind. So tell us what your fact-finding trip is all about. Yeah, I'm here... um, Partly funded by the Winston Churchill Fellowship, they um, give money to people who want to travel and um, really learn about something and bring some benefits back to their community. So the two focuses of my trip, first is cycling skills training and the second is the state of cycling campaigning. So I'm going to a few countries to learn about those things and then apply the lessons back in New Zealand. So what do you do back in New Zealand for the um, Cycling Advocates Network? Well, I'm a project manager there, so we have 22 groups around New Zealand who um, work for a better cycling environment in New Zealand, and I'm there to support them with media, with training, resources, and strategic advice. And what countries have you been to? Well, so far I've been to Japan. I had a couple of weeks there with my partner and my my sister. That was partly holiday. Also four days in Copenhagen when I got to... uh, take part in the Danish Cargo Bike Championships with uh, Mikhail Colville anderson That was a highlight. I had a week in the Netherlands and have about a week in the UK. And so what are you looking at here in the UK and what have, what have, been, your, what have been your impressions? Well, four years ago I took a course at Cycle Training UK with Dave Dansky, where I learned how to be a cycling instructor. And I'm really interested in, um, you know, what works, what doesn't work when it comes to cycle skills training. Um, 
I think often when we learn to ride a bike, it's because our dad pushes us down the hill and tells us, you know, ride the damn thing. But I think there's a few skills we can all learn to keep us, you know, comfortable and safe on the roads. So I'm here to learn those tricks. And how do those tricks get disseminated to the population at large, apart from people who go on a course? Because not everyone can go on a course, much like CTUK would like to send everyone on a course. That's not going to happen, is it really? Yeah, there's bikeability courses. I think they're funded to deliver to about 250,000 school children this year in, in the UK. So that's, that's a pretty big big start. But um, that's being cut, right? That's being cut by the, the Conservative government's public expenditure cuts, well, I think, yes bikeability. Well, yes no? Cycling England got thrown on the bonfire, but mm. the programme um, lobbied really hard, and I think it's funded about £10 million this year okay. to deliver that. So it's been contracted out. Um, I met one of the, the contractors in, in Cambridge the other day. So the good news is that the bikeability programme continues, and it's a really good programme. Um, that's fine for school kids. What about adults who are riding bikes? One thing we talked about is that often guys don't want to sign up for classes. You can't teach a guy much, so even if he does have a bit of a gap in his skills, he's a bit reluctant to go along to a course. So that's one of the questions I'm finding out about. And any interesting ways of getting people to learn without realising that they're learning? I think we learn from watching our peers, and one of my concerns is that with a lot of new cyclists around... We learn some bad habits from each other. So I'm really interested to find out how we can pass on good habits that help our cycling. For example, you know, you mentioned the ride of falling leaves. I'm sure there that there's some etiquette of riding in bunches where people point out hazards to each other um, and kind of pass on those tips. But if you're just a day-to-day rider, do you have those opportunities to, to learn the craft of cycling in a really methodical way. I think, Patrick, you and I were talking before the show about um, picking up these habits from from our peers, and I think you're right, there is, a, there is a real danger in new cyclists picking up habits from their peers who are also new cyclists, but then you have seasoned road riders who are out there jumping the lights and swerving very freely between traffic, which, you know, I'm not going to enter into the enter into the argument as to whether or not that is the right or wrong thing to do, but if you have new cyclists picking up those habits as well, without the, without the actual skill set to do that, then surely that must present a real danger as well. So, so I, I guess... The question remains, how do we get these people to realise that they may be better off picking up these skills from, from actual training rather than from people on the roads? I think a lot of training can be informal. I think, you know, if you're alongside a cyclist at the lights, you can say nod and smile to them and, you know, just comment on something you might have seen them doing in a really, um, I guess, a con- you know, helpful and concerned way. Um, I have seen a, a, a video blog, Silly Cyclists, where a guy, I think Gaz, he... Uh, Oh, it's the, video the one records. who video records everything, yeah, and then sticks it on YouTube. Yeah, mm. and I think that's a bit of a learning tool, really. We can all have a bit of a giggle at it. But, um, yeah, I found that really helpful in, in seeing what things help and what things don't help and make our trips really pleasant and comfortable. Yeah, it's often useful to be able to see yourself and what you're doing. I remember not from cycling, but from when I was learning to swim properly in my 20s. I mean, I already knew how to swim but I was doing triathlon so I kind of needed to be able to swim efficiently and cover that mile distance without expending too much energy and the most useful thing I did was being filmed so I could watch my stroke and see if what I thought I was doing was what I was actually doing and I imagine it's the same sort of thing if you were to have a video of yourself 
cycling through the city, you'd probably go, oh, my God, what was, what, what was mm. he doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some good stuff out there. The book Cycle Craft by John Franklin is considered one of the, the kind of texts in this area. Um, but, of course, there's a bunch of stuff um, online. As they say, JFGI, just uh, Google it. It must really differ city to city because, um, well, not being from London myself, it's vastly different cycling in this city as, as it is to back in back home in Sydney. So... Um, so learning the skills London style. How, what way is it different? Jen? Well, the roads are bigger for starters back home. So when I first got to London, I, I mean, I couldn't even believe that buses went down some of these roads and that I was expected to be on the same road as that bus and a parked car and all just negotiate our way around. So in many ways, I feel a lot safer in London because the traffic's slower and looking out for more obstacles, whereas in Sydney, it's a, a, a bit more like LA, you know, big roads, multi-lane roads that are, that are just sort of running through city streets so the traffic's faster and for me a bit more scary in Sydney because they don't care about you as much or see you. One of the things I noticed in the Netherlands is that um, that really surprised me was that the Dutch are not particularly good cyclists it's just that the infrastructure they have is quite forgiving so if you do something silly then um, because the infrastructure is forgiving you're probably not going to get into so much trouble. There's plenty of people riding along talking on their cell phone texting we think we saw a woman, um, she looked like she was breastfeeding on her bicycle. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, how comfortable would you have to feel about the cycling paths that you could do that with your, with your child? That uh, is the new standard for bike paths, isn't it? Would the typical uh, breastfeeding mother feel comfortable in just, you know... Being on a bike to start with, then the breastfeeding. Well, no, I think they come together. together. (laughs) So we can just abolish the standards and just put a simple test there before the superhighways. Yeah. So you were on David Hembro's sort of study tour that that a few people from this country were on as well, from this new cycling embassy of Great Britain. Yeah, how do you guys get along? Look, it was pretty interesting. You know, I I don't know all the history of cycling campaigning in the UK, but I gather they're kind of fed up with an approach that sees cycling mode share about, you know, between 1% and 3%. It's it's just pretty... It's not a very good performance, and they're really keen on the Go Dutch message. Holland has mode share of around about 30% in many of its cities, so it's a world away from where we are in the UK, and indeed in New Zealand. Yeah, where, how are things in New Zealand? What's your modal share? Nearer to Holland or nearer to the UK? God, we're getting really jargony here, aren't we? Um, it's much nearer the UK. Recreational cycling is booming, mountain biking is great there, there's a whole bunch of roadies there, but for day-to-day transport cycling, in most centres it's, it's in the 2 to 4% range, so I think we can do a lot better. And is it on an upward trend? You get more people riding their bikes. Are, um, are these sport booms reading across into, um, you know, just transportation commuting Look, I th- booms? I think they are. I think it really is. Um, sports cyclists find that they can get more training in if they ride their bike to work. And we're seeing a, um, an increase in the range of the kind of people's, people riding bikes in New Zealand. Well, we're heading up to the hour. Um, thanks, Patrick, for coming onto the show. Are your findings going to be available to us, to enlighten us? Sure. Um, I'll be publishing a report at can.org.nz. But you can just Google my name, Patrick well, Morgan, and you'll, you'll drop get us the a, link Drop there. us an email when you're done. Maybe we can get you on the, uh, down the line from New Zealand. Great. I believe they have phone links to New Zealand hey. from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm the last man in New Zealand who isn't watching rugby and I'm delighted to be out of it. <laughs> okay, well thanks very much. Jen, you did a great job with uh, the Bicycle Film Festival. Thank you very much, Looking Jack. forward to more reports from you. Thank you. That's it from 
The Bike Show, another half hour of cycling on Resonance FM, gone in a flash. Thanks for listening. From me, Jack Thurston. And me, Jen Kerrison. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, you join us for a little podcast extra, and I'm here with Brent Barber, who's a little jet-lagged and drinking a glass of wine. Brent, you're the father of the Bicycle Film Festival. It's in London for its sixth year, I believe. 2005 was your first year. I know that because that was the quiz question we set last week for the tickets to the Sun Chasers screening. We said, what was the first year of the Bicycle Film Festival in London and in what theatre were the films screened? You probably wouldn't actually be able to answer that question, would you? Am I allowed to? You could answer that. Yeah, it's uh, already, we've already had a winner. Uh, okay, the Cochrane Theatre at Central St. Martin's in Holborn. In 2005? In 2005. I did not know that, actually. Jack just told me it was 2005. So the first time you brought this festival here was 2005. Can you cast your mind back to that year and describe how London was and how you've perceived it to have changed in the intervening six years? That year, um, I was staying in... um, I I would run... Okay, I was staying in Soho and then I would ride along Old Street to get to Shoreditch because that was the happening neighborhood or whatever and so I'd go out and meet friends and so on. And I just remember going through Clerkenwell and going to Old Street and you would see maybe one or two cyclists. And by the time I left, after being here for two or three weeks, because that's how long I used to stay, um, I would get to know probably every single cyclist. So can you imagine today riding that same route through um, the Old Street roundabout towards Shoreditch and knowing every single cyclist? No way. There's so many cyclists now. And I would say that was the, the biggest significant change that I've seen, that it's pretty incredible. But it doesn't mean that um, there's no room to grow. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of... Uh, I'm, I'm someone that's all about like, seeing more cyclists, you know? So I'm really um, enthusiastic and really happy to come to London. I love it. And I have also, since 2005, my friendships and relationships have developed over time, and I'm really happy to see Jack Thurston, you know? So, and, but now, also the change for the Bicycle Film Festival, if we can focus on the Bicycle Film Festival, is that... You know, London was the first city that we went to outside of the United States. 
which was, I think, the third or fourth city in the world that we went to. And since then, we've been to over 50 cities around the world. And we're annually in over 30 cities around the world. So um, London, in, the, in that way, contributed a lot to the festival and the imagination and what we could do and um, if it was worth it. I mean, we sold out every show the first year. So, um. You talked in your introduction to the screening here of um, some of the the films that you're going to be showing, they're screening to the press here tonight. You talked about the fact that people looked at Amsterdam, they looked at Copenhagen, but these are small cities, or they've got small inner cores that are very bicycle friendly. You're a New Yorker, I'm a Londoner, we're in London now. These are big cities with big city issues. Both cities appear to be experiencing some kind of bike boom. Can you compare what's going on in your city to what's going on in this city? I mean, I, I can only... I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert on that, honestly. But I can just, just give my... Just in terms my, of your perceptions. Yeah, you know? my, my point of view is that um, it seems that the, the... Let's put it this way. I don't... The, the local government of London has been quite supportive of the Bicycle Film Festival. Major institutions such as the Barbican have been quite supportive. In the, in the United States and in New York City, our hometown... Uh, we don't have that kind of support. Um, the Bicycle Film Festival has 25,000 people attend it in New York, which is bigger than here but by numbers, but um, we don't have that same kind of support institutionally. Uh, I would say that is significant. Let me put this to you. From London, we look over at New York and we see you've got a transportation commissioner who's putting in a whole load of bicycle lanes. You've got a big push from city government for cycling infrastructure that is absolutely not happening over here. The mayor is putting down a little bit of blue paint here and there, and we've obviously got the town bike hire scheme, but that's pretty much it. I would say Jeanette Sadek Khan is a very powerful woman, not just because of her position. It's just how she's used her position to gain things that she thinks good for her city, New York City. I also think New York City is a different city, has a lot more space on the avenues. It's a grid, so you can easily put bike lanes. Here, it's very, you know, older streets. Um, basically, London's comprised of a bunch of little towns that, like, kind of run into each other. Um, New York grew differently, and it's particularly in Manhattan. So there's a lot more space to put a bike lane down. But I, I don't know. I don't, I, wouldn't, I don't think I would agree that the city's are one over the other uh, supportive because um, I think maybe that's just because of, maybe you just bike lanes are different, you know. Maybe it's a case of the grass is always greener on the other yeah, side, yeah. Brent. Okay, let's talk about the film festival. You've but got it's a good that we're having the discussion who's more supportive. At least there's some support and if we were doing this interview in 2005 we would say there's not much at all. That's true, that's good. You're always good at seeing the, the glass half full. Um, You've got a fantastic packed program here for the festival covering all kinds of things, probably broader and deeper than it's ever been before. Now, next year, I want to talk about 2012. I want to talk about the people who are at this moment thinking about making a film to submit to the Bicycle Film Festival. What subjects, what stories would you like to see covered? What's going to get people into next year's top screenings? Give them an inside track here on the bike show women women make movies about women or make a movie a male a man make a movie about women that's the the biggest 
movement within cycling right now is women. You know, that's the growth area. You know, some people ask me, what's next? Fixed gears have seemed to be, you know, peaked. Um, what's next? And certainly I would say women. Why? Why? Because that's an area, I mean, cycling, hey, cycling has been dominated by men. And film and arts are dominated by men. And those are two areas coming together. The Bicycle Film Festival, um, the subject matter has, generally speaking, been dominated by men. I mean, the people who work for the Bicycle Film Festival, I'd say there's more women working for it than women, or men. So, um, but I see this as a growth area, but I also see women coming in um, as a, you know, let's, let's, let's face it. There is an, in the evolution of cycling in a city, there is a point where you have to be adventurous and a little bit daredevil to let your imagination go to the place where you, you cycle because there's not too many other people you know that cycle, you don't see other cyclists. And at that point, maybe women are less likely General, this is a generalization, but there's truth to it. Maybe women, by their nature, are less likely, depending on the kind of woman and what have you, to cycle. Um, but now you see, as it's moving along, women are entering cycling. And as they have entered cycling, they are making a positive impact on cycling in a different way. And so that's why. Brush your teeth with Resonance FM. Dental cream, it cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What a cleans your teeth. Toothpaste. Cleans your breath. What a toothpaste. What a cleans your teeth. Resonance 104.4 FM. Cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. And worldwide on the net. ResonanceFM.com.